we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano. It is an insider look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on hot topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Teledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Based on the Wired cover story by Jason Parham and directed by Princess Penny. Executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter. A People's History tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change, while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. If you were there for Meet Me in Temecula or Thanksgiving Clapback, you need to see this series. If you weren't there, time to dive in. Watch how Black Lives Matter grew and gained force because of the voices on Black Twitter, bringing these issues to the forefront like never before. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up! You you guys really are like the hip-hop early morning, late night talk show. Breakfast Club is the most powerful, popular, urban radio show in America. Live from the Black Mothership in New York City, it's DJ Envy and Charlemagne the God. It's different, you know what I'm saying? Like, y'all know what y'all talking about. Thank you, y'all. Be blessed, I love y'all. Collectively known as... Breakfast Club, bitches! I'm always nervous when I do the Breakfast Club because sometimes you say stuff and it's just gonna get you in trouble. Everybody wake up! Wake it up! 
This is your time to get it off your chest. Keep calling. 800-585-1051. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? This is Jay. Jay, what up? Where you calling from, brother? What's up, man? I'm calling from Biloxi, Mississippi. Jay, what's up, King? Get it off your chest, brother. What's up, man? I'm just calling because I drive trucks for a living, and I'm so damn tired of traffic, bro. Traffic is just disrespectful. Where you live at? Oh, <laughs> uh, Biloxi, Mississippi. There's a lot of traffic in Mississippi? So I run the, no, I run the quarter, the I-10 quarter over to uh, New Orleans and uh, Houston as well. Oh, see, yeah, yeah. You're going to major cities. New Orleans and Houston ain't no jokes. I get it. Just be patient, man, and don't drive that truck like you're driving a car. I can't stand when people drive Mac trucks like they're driving a little electric car or something, a little Hyundai. <laughs> Remember, you got a truck, I tried to, I tried to drive for myself as, uh, for others as well as myself. That's right. Okay. Well, Jay, do me a favor. What's that? Blow that horn, Jay. Come on. Oh, man, I can't do it. I'm in the residential area right now. I can't do Come it. Come on, Jay. Just don't get that man in trouble. Don't you blow that horn, Jay. No, don't wake the people up out this week, Jay. Don't you do that. Come on, Jay. No, Jay. Jay. Jay, think about the people. Think about the people, Jay. That's sleeping right now. Yeah, I wouldn't want anybody to do it to me, so I can't do it. That's right. I respect that, Jay. Do the right thing even when nobody looking. I respect that. All right, Jay. <laughs> make, I was going to say make the horn noise with your mouth Alright Jay goodbye Damn b- with your All mouth right. Pause wow. That's crazy I didn't say that Envy told after man to b- with his I, mouth I, yo I didn't say that It's Monday man I didn't Show say some respect that. to people hey, Yo What's up Melo What's up Envy I, I need to bring Charlemagne and you to the front of the congregation Cause never did y'all call Usher the king of R&B like Chris Brown don't exist like, are you kidding me? No disrespect to Chris Brown. The- Listen, we we salute Chris Brown, but uh, Chris Brown would even tell you uh, otherwise, brother. <laughs> yeah, because he got to say that. You feel me? You were supposed to train until your idols become your rivals, and I'm sorry he doesn't surpass him. Like, respect that, that, That's just not if, true. If Breezy won't say it, I will. Chris Brown, Chris Brown is the king of R&B. Like, respect so does Chris Brown it's not I, even close does, does in Brown, your words. Does Chris Brown have an album as good as 8701? Does he have an album as good as Confessions? Mm. Yeah, I'm mm, all right. Confession that was <laughs> okay, Melo. So you lost. Respectfully, but respectfully, anything after that, nah, Breezy got him. That's not just like, not true. For real, he he may have vocal talent over him, but Breezy got basically everything else. That's but, the only thing I could give him. Melo, I just disagree. Melo, yes, sir. I'm not arguing with you this morning. I'm not arguing with him about I'm not arguing with you this morning, Melo. And, and it's not a disrespect to Chris Brown. Chris Brown is great. Chris Brown is busy. You know, we got to stop acting like Usher's just not on a whole other level than a lot of mm-hmm. people, man. Hello, who's this? Hi, this is Chrissy Shoes. Hey, good morning, Mama. Get it off your chest. Good morning. I feel blessed. I just came from the casino and I came up. Hey, what casino? Where you at? <laughs> um, I'm in on Queens. I went to the research casino. Oh, how much you won? About fifteen hundred. Hey, oh, congratulations. Can I hold some? Yeah, as long as I can hold someone I ask you. Girl, I don't be having it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> what you going to do with that money? There you go. The first right. right around the corner. The first is next week. Yeah, next week. That's a fact. All right, mama. Well, enjoy. Have a great weekend with that bread. You too. Take care, y'all. Bye-bye now. Hello, who's this? All right, get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Ray, Ray, Ray. Yo, Charlamagne. Envy, what up? Are we live? This is your time to get it off your chest. I got an indoor pool, an outdoor pool. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. We can get on the phone right now here and tell you what it is. We live? Hello, who's this? Yeah, how's it going, man? Kai. Kai, what's up? Get it off your chest. Why you sound so down, brother? 
Nah, I ain't down. I just woke up, man. About to start my Uber shift. Your Uber shift? Wait, where you do Uber at? I thought he said he woke up brother, smoking man. Uber. I was like, God damn, you got to get your life together. He said Uber. <laughs> yeah. Man. Where you do Uber at, bro? In Brooklyn. On oh, Brooklyn. Okay. Is it is it yes, true that, that Uber takes like what forty percent of what you make? Nah, they don't, they don't, I don't think they take forty percent. Once the ride pops up on your screen, you just accept it and you get all the money that pops up on the screen. Okay. I don't know why everybody be complaining about. And we appreciate you, brother. No doubt. Uh, appreciate you too. But yeah, I just want to let all the drivers know when they'll be on the road. Stop with these emotional turns y'all be making. The bike lane is to the right every time you drive. Every time there's a driver in front of another driver and they're trying to get around, they always make this emotional turn try to get around the driver in front of them. And I'm always to the right. Driver, we are to your right. Stop with the emotional turns. They're going to hurt somebody. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, thank you, man. No doubt, man. Have a good day. Bless. Yes, sir. You too. Hello. Who's this? What's your boy, KP from the Bronx? KP from the BX, what up? Get it off your chest, bro. What's up, man? Listen, I'm calling because I want to be positive this morning. Like, in the next, like, five, six hours, I'm getting ready to get on the Carnival Cruise and go on this eight-day trip to Turk, St. Thomas, and Puerto Rico. Hey. Sam, I know it's going to be a good vibe. That's right, there man. Set the vibes early. I like that. Who you taking, your wife? Nah, I'm going with the fam. Like, I'm going with one of my, my close best friends, his mom, sis, everybody like that, my extended family. Oh, that's right. beautiful, Well, brother. enjoy, bro. Enjoy that, man. Put your, put your no, feet in the sand of Turks and Caicos. Huh? Say it again? I said, put your feet in the sand of Turks and Caicos, man. It's a beautiful place. Yeah, no, nah, facts. I've been there one time, but only when I was younger, so I know it's going to be great now that I'm adult. Have you been on a cruise before? Yeah, probably like not for nothing. It's like my ninth time cruise. I done been on oh, Carnival or Caribbean, Disney. Oh, okay. All types of stuff. So you're a professional. Yeah. You know where you need to go, what time you need to go to lunch and dinner, and how to book all the excursions and all that. You're a pro. That's a no. Nah, that's a fact. My grandmother told me a long time ago. We've been going on cruise for years, so you know she's not with us no more. But it's something I like to keep doing because you know it makes me remember her. Okay, brother, Hello. have a good one. Hello, who's this? Hey, man, Jefferson, man. Hey, Jefferson. Good morning. Get it off your chest. Hey, first of all, shout out all big nine one four. Shout out everybody. Shout out DJ Envy, Charlemagne, everyone there. Look, man, if you're black and you're Republican, I don't think that's a bad thing. I just want to get that off my chest, that everyone that's black does not have to think democratically or vote Democrat. That was it, man. I agree with you. I, I don't I don't think that, uh you know, just because you're black and you're, 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 you're black and Republican means that you're a bad person. But I do feel like, you know, um, sometimes we vote against our own interests. But I don't think the Democrats have the best interest because I feel like they, they're promoting us kind of to stay in a system that doesn't really benefit us uh, in the long haul. That's all I'm saying. That's just my I'm, opinion. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that either. I'm not disagreeing with that either. I, I do. I do think that we're in some very, very, uh, very troubling times right now, though. And I and I do see, you know, one party leaning heavy towards fascism. But everybody, listen, man, vote your own interest. That's what I tell folks. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent something on your mind, call us up right now. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now 
wherever you listen. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Practice, we have offices throughout uh, four of the five boroughs. Uh, Generally, we provide care in underserved communities where there are what often called health deserts. There's no hospitals or not many physicians. 
around and we try and meet patients um, who need our care where they live. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I told y'all, I've had every cardiovascular test there is to have over the past few months. Mm-hmm. I had name some of them, Doc. What is it? EKGs. What are some of the tests? I think you had stress test, stress test EKG, EKG. Holtum monitor yep. before you came to us. Absolutely. Uh, um, you had a calcium score. Calcium score. Right. And yours absolutely not only was the best, it's the one that put my mind at ease the most. Well, thank you. Especially after I got those results back. But why, why is it important for people of color to get their heart tested regularly? So it's important for people of color uh, to get their uh, heart tested, period, and uh, not regularly. Because one of the challenges is they're not regularly getting their heart tested. People of color have a um, almost one and a half to two times the rate of death from heart disease. They get the risk factors for heart disease, high blood pressure. They often develop high blood pressure at an earlier age. It's more difficult to treat. Mm-hmm. They have diabetes as a, at a higher rate, also a risk factor for heart disease. When they have heart attacks, their outcomes are worse. They have a 30 to 40% increased chance of dying um, from a heart attack as compared to uh, whites in America. And they often have much higher rates, 70% higher rates of congestive heart failure, which is very disabling. And they develop that often at an earlier age. Well, how can people uh, get tested? Not how can they test it, of course, but, you know, they tell you at, at 45 years old, you get a colonoscopy. They tell you at this age, you do this. At what age should people be checking their heart? And, you know, I've, I go to my doctor, you know, twice a year for, for checkups and, and not one time has he said, all right, well, you need to check out your heart. Are there certain signs where maybe people said you should check out your heart or certain signs where they should do certain things or should it be at a particular age where this is where you should start doing it more and more and more? Yeah. So that's a great question. So the the answer to that question, I think, the, the, uh, depends on whether you have symptoms or no symptoms. If you have symptoms of discomfort in your chest, shortness of breath more easy fatigue, not able to do the usual level of exercise, dizziness, lightheadedness, doesn't matter what age you are, you should be tested. Mm-hmm. Because let's remember, heart disease is the number one killer in America. And even though we're, over the last 40 years, the rate of death from heart disease has come down, it has not come down for the black community. All those gains have been in the white community. Mm. So second, if you're not necessarily symptomatic, Okay. Overall, you're working, you feel good, but you have a hit. You're 40 and older as a man, or 50 and older as a woman, and you've smoked, have a family history of heart disease, have high blood pressure, diabetes, or high cholesterol. Then you should be tested prior to the Soren heart scan or CAT scanning in general of the heart. The only test we had to determine if you had heart disease was a stress test. But that's not nearly as accurate and doesn't define the heart arteries as Charlemagne, when you came in, mm-hmm. we sent you images of your heart arteries. We we gave you a risk assessment, but and it's costly stress testing. Mm-hmm. T- almost ten times the cost of a CAT scan. But CAT scanning now takes four minutes or less. If you come into our office, less than fifteen minutes of your total time. Mm-hmm. And you have a fully accurate, greater than 97% accuracy of your heart anatomy, whether there's blockage, calcium, any any disruption that could potentially um, cause a problem later on in life. Well, I was going to ask, so, you know, you go to the dentist, you have a cavity, they can fix it, right? Floss it, whatever. Uh, colonoscopy, they clean your butt out, right? 
So they now don't, they don't. They, no, you know he that. knows what I mean. That's you know they clean happens. it out. They cut off the polyps. <laughs> you know what it is. Uh, so if there is a problem with your heart, what are the procedures to to it, can it be done oh, right then good. and there? Talk that talk, Doctor Puma. This is good. This this blew me away when you told me this. Yeah. So nationally, Medicare is now approved putting heart stents right in the office in appropriate facilities. Uh, New York State has not yet approved that, but our center down in Lower Manhattan is built for that. And we have the latest technology and cardiac catheterization labs where you could have a stent put right in um, at that time. So What's you a could, stent? A stent is a uh, metal scaffold that when you have a blockage in your artery, mm-hmm. through an artery in your wrist, we put a catheter up into the heart and then over a wire through the catheter, we can pass a metal stent over a balloon and dilate it and clear away the blockage. Oh, so the stent doesn't stay inside of you. It just, it just cleans out. It stays inside of oh, you. Oh, it does stay. And becomes part of the artery wall. Okay, so so you have a piece of metal in you. So every time you go through TSA metal detector, you... It won't go off. Okay. It, it, it doesn't it, it doesn't go off. It's, it's very... Uh, it's very small, three and a half millimeters mm-hmm. usually. Um, but no, it doesn't set off metal detectors. You can use your uh, microwave. But it's the most common treatment for blocked arteries gotcha. in the world. Can you explain to people what causes heart attacks and strokes? Sure. Um, it's a, that's a great question. And I, and I think it's not only a great, great, question in, great question in general because it's the leading cause of death. But in the black community... The risk of it is so much uh, higher. Uh, I know, Charlemagne, you're, you're from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I told you my family I raised in, in North Carolina. And, and in that part of the world, we call it the stroke, stroke belt, belt from North Carolina down to Alabama, primarily because uh, black men in particular have high blood pressure at such an early age, so, so difficult to control, less likely for African-Americans to control their blood pressure than, than white that the risk of stroke from that elevated pressure over time causes either a blood clot in the, in one of the arteries to the brain or it just ruptures. Uh, same thing with heart attacks, or similar at least. Over time, the body builds up plaque in the arteries. Plaque is just cholesterol and calcium. Some of it's from our diet, some of it's genetic, some of it is accelerated if you have diabetes. In fact, if you have diabetes, you have a three times higher risk of dying from a heart attack mm. than someone who doesn't have diabetes. So if you have diabetes, that ought to be like a flashing neon sign. I need to see a cardiologist. And in communities of color, when they have high blood pressure and they have diabetes, when they end up with a heart attack or a stroke, they usually have worse outcomes a higher risk of dying from it. And if they survive, they're more likely to have a lower functional status, to be in congestive heart failure or to have physical abnormalities that they're not able to do their activities of daily living. All right, we have more with Dr. Puma. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Everybody is DJ NV Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Dr. Puma. A lot of people in our community are, are scared to go to the doctor or can't afford to, don't have insurance. So, what are some of the signs that they should look at? Let's start with diabetes. What is what is a sign of, of diabetes that people should look out for? First of all, I would say healthcare 
should not be just for people well off or people who have insurance. Healthcare should be a right in this country. There's no reason. I agree. There's just no reason why um, we should treat any, not treat any human being that, that needs our help, right? And if you come to any one of our offices, we take care of everyone regardless of their ability um, to pay. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, high blood pressure and diabetes both, when we're in medical school, we're taught that they're called the silent killers Correct. because they often don't have symptoms, mm-hmm. okay? But when they do, if you have high blood pressure, you, you might feel flushed sometimes during the day in your face. You might get headaches, okay? You might have chest discomfort. You might get short of breath, all right? You don't need to go to a doctor. You can go to any pharmacy even, and they have a blood pressure cuff there usually, yep. and they'll check your blood pressure. So a simple screening um, for that. And, and remember something, blood pressure diagnosis often it peaks in our 30s or in our 50s. So if you're in communities of color and you're in your 30s, you should at least get a screening for blood pressure. Diabetes also very elusive in terms of symptoms. Often the first symptoms a diabetic will feel is that they're very thirsty or they're urinating a lot. And that's because their sugar levels are high and it's making them urinate, which then makes them thirsty. They often feel weak, have a brain fog. They, they just never feel clear. And again, simple pinprick of your finger can tell you if your sugar is high or low. That you probably do need to go to a doctor to have that checked mm-hmm. or simple uh, blood tests. But the bigger point is simple screening things or just self-awareness. You bring up fear. Fear is a big issue. Fear is a big big issue for, for, for many people. People don't come to me. It's it's not like, uh, I don't know if you're married or you have kids, but you know you remember when you... you we both you, married. Yeah, we yeah, you and, met my wife, Dr. Puma. I can't bring that up again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Carolina is okay. Uh, I can't bring that up again. But anyway, uh, but you remember like the, you know, the first time you're pregnant and you go to the doctor, everyone's happy and it's an exciting mm-hmm. time. When people come to me, they're scared. They're not sure what's going on. Mm-hmm. They may not feel well. They may have a family history. So we have, we have to deal with that fear. One of the ways you deal with that fear is by bringing health care to them as opposed to saying, here, I'm in a big fancy building. Come to me. I'm really smart. We go to them. We want to be in their community. And then if there is an issue where they need a test, make it easy for them. Mm-hmm. Okay? Explain. Talk. You know, people are a lot smarter than sometimes we give them credit for. Mm-hmm. And understanding where they're from and, and trying to learn about them and their family can help kind of bring people together and, and have an honest conversation. I think uh, people I wanted under- you to talk to about the, you know, when I asked you uh, what, what, what causes the heart attacks, I wanted you to talk about like the blockage and the artery, how the plaque breaks off and that stuff. Yeah, so in, in the coronary artery, so for strokes, if you have high blood pressure, just the high blood pressure, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same as if you have high blood pressure in your water heater at home, at home. If it gets to a certain level, boom, it just pops. Mm-hmm. But in the heart arteries, you can even have a mild to moderate plaque in your arteries and then some stressor you're smoking a cigarette one day you're in an argument with someone you're having a stressful time at work it can cause that plaque to rupture and then causes a blood clot and that's a big challenge the reason when when you asked uh, DJ Envy about who should have the scan or you know and we said even in people who are not symptomatic mm-hmm. if they have risk factors they should have a scan because one in three people that have a heart attack find out they're having, they have heart disease the day they have their heart attack. 
And out of those, one in three die the day they have their heart attack. So it's it's often unpredictable. So unless you know you have some plaque, then there are strategies, as we discussed, mm-hmm. whether it's statin medications, aspirin, counseling to help you maybe stop smoking if you smoke, um, weight reduction, things of things of um, that nature that can help. But heart attacks are, I like to think of it um, this way, you know, if you're having, if you're lucky enough to have symptoms, it's kind of like when you're driving your car and the little light goes on and says the tire's running low, mm-hmm. right? Usually if you're having symptoms or you see that light, you'll attend to it. Correct. So that you don't end up with a blowout, let's say, on the uh, on the highway. That's like a heart attack. But many people don't have symptoms until the day they have their heart attack. And I want to read my results that, that Dr. Soren sent me. Because y'all send five things after you have the test. It's the images of your coronary heart arteries, uh, your heart flow analysis of the arteries, right? What is that exactly? So the heart flow analysis is if there is any plaque in the mm-hmm. artery... It's a heart flow is a company based in California that has um, proprietary AI software that can actually assess the flow to determine if that plaque, that blockage is obstructive, Mm -hmm. needs to be treated with a stent or bypass or non-obstructive, needs aggressive medical therapy. It's amazing software. We use it on all our patients and it's that alone, that software alone has been proven to make you... uh, to reduce mortality, increases survival by having cat the the, the Soren heart scan, scan with heart flow. And so, y'all, and y'all send the Soren heart scan final report. You send your blood work report, and finally, which I really loved, the ten year risk of cardiovascular events, which is heart attack, stroke, or death. Now, this is what put my mind at ease. Overall, your results are excellent. Despite a high calcium score for your age, there is only minimal plaque in your heart arteries. Furthermore, your lipid cholesterol profile yeah your, your cholesterol profile is excellent and well below goal on your current statin medication and aspirin which i would continue your blood pressure and heart rate are those of a man 20 years younger all these factors contribute to a very low 10-year cardiovascular risk of only 3.5 percent optimal for men of your age would be three percent so you are in very good shape that put my mind at my heart within the next 15 <laughs> and i think i got those results the next day that's correct i think yeah yeah, yeah. that's that yeah. that's correct so I would flip it back to you. I I would definitely like to sign up because I definitely would like to make sure that I'm here for my kids. I have six kids, uh, so I want to make sure I'm here for my kids. You'd be be welcome to come. And and again, I just think the access, making it easy, Mm -hmm. right? You know, you all are people of means and, you know, but it's for everybody. Mm -hmm. And you can can really make a great impact for, for people who may have some fear, aren't sure what the entry point is, aren't sure what to do. So... I, I appreciate you inviting me. I appreciate Thanks, you, you taking the time and 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 uh, talking about it, and um, and I hope we can help some people. And, and where can they get more information? I'll, I'll reach you directly uh, on our website, SorenMedicalNY.com. Uh, we're on uh, Instagram. Uh, I've never been on any of these things. I've been practicing for over thirty years, but in the past year, all the young folks in our practice have us mm-hmm. on Instagram and uh, and um, on the uh, website now. Um, and they can call the office or send us an email. Um, as you saw, we respond right away. We get you in right away, mm-hmm. and we give you comprehensive results. And if we think there's something more, we make sure that we shepherd you through your healthcare journey to good health. Everybody needs to go do this, man. I've had too many friends 
you know, either having heart attacks or having strokes over the mm-hmm. past few years or dying of heart attacks and strokes. So you should definitely go to uh, Soren Medical and get the Soren Heart Scan. Absolutely. I'm going as soon as I can. And I appreciate you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank Dr. You. Joseph Puma, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Good news if you're hiring. You've got help. ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter works for you to find great candidates fast. Its smart technology identifies qualified candidates for you, and you can invite your top choices to apply. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash breakfast. It's topic time. Call 800-585-1051 to join into the discussion with The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Of course, Jess Hilarious is here. She came up with this topic right here. She said it's not based on a true story, though. You just come here and interrupt and stop playing music. We're on air. You know we're on air, Tim. Yes, we are. Uh, uh, Jesus. I can't go back out all slow. (laughs) So the question is... She's home going into the bushes. (laughs) Um, So if your baby daddy and your boyfriend is fighting, who do you help and do you feel bad? Now, you said you're helping your baby daddy. I, yeah, I have to. You said because he can't fight. Yes. Damn it, man. Rome is my guy. Like, I have to help him. <laughs> now, how is yeah. your boyfriend going to feel about this when he hears this later? I don't know. Lord have mercy. <laughs> I don't know. You just be making your life difficult for no but reason. But no reason. No reason. Because, no, y'all turned the question back on me. This is for them out there. You didn't have to answer. <laughs> you didn't have to answer. I know. <laughs> you got to let it go. My God. Who you helping if your boyfriend and baby daddy fighting in? John, come on, John. This hypothetically, man. Well, what about you? Who you helping? Your yeah, baby? what up, DJ What up, let the call answer. Hey, John, good morning. Now, John, if, you're, morning. if your baby daddy and your boyfriend start fighting, what you going to do? Um, I don't have a baby daddy. I had a baby mama, and uh, my girl was fighting, and I helped out my girl. Damn. You, you helping your girl? He said it happened. Yeah, I'm about... Yeah, hey, what up, Jeff? What up, baby? How you doing? You said you helping your... You helped your girl? I didn't, I didn't help my girl, but I let her get her lips in. I think you should help. Who uh who 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 loves your child? I think you should help who your child would want you to help. Yeah, and you know it's gonna mean? be that parent. And by the way, I don't think you gotta help any. You just don't let them fight. You get in between them, like yo, y'all ain't fighting. Yeah. So who, who would you help, Shulman? I would if I if it were, if it, they needed help, I would help my the person I know my child would want me to help. I would help the person if my child was standing there. My child would try to intervene. No, come on, come on with the, my child standing there. No, because you nobody gonna be fighting in front of the child. Why so, not? No. Now, if, okay. if they pulled up, if your boyfriend and your baby father got into it, yeah. who are you? Like, who are you grabbing first? So I'm getting in between both of them. You get in between, but wow, no. whoa, no, don't ever get in between them. Two. You know what I mean? I'm but, getting okay. in between. I'm breaking them up, but okay. It just depends. I would just stop whoever getting their ass kicked. Whoever getting their ass kicked, I'd be like, yo, cool. I'd pull them off him or something. Right, right. Because yeah. to be honest with you, no, I, I would help Rome, but Rome would be the reason the fight it happened because Rome antagonizes. Chris is not going to, he just going, he's going to fight. Yeah. But Rome is going to start it. But I still have to help Rome because Rome has this. And I think, that I mean, mouth, I think when we mean help, we don't yeah, mean yeah, we're not helping to fight. We just... Yeah. Gonna break it up, right? That's what you mean when you no, say no. Help. We, we talk about oh, helping no, no, to fight. No, we, no, we talk about helping to fight. Yeah, we, we helping to fight. No, <laughs> yeah. See, because if you help your if you help your baby daddy or your baby mama, you still got to go home to your boyfriend or girlfriend later on. Yeah, and then they gonna say, yo, why why you why you punch me too? Well, it's just a boyfriend or girlfriend. That's all y'all said. Boyfriend or girlfriend? How serious is it? Hey, I'm just asking. He keep trying to change the story. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> who's this? Good morning, Breakfast Club. He's Jack. Hey. Now, Jack, Jack, what you doing? Oh. I'm fighting. I'm kicking it off. He owe me child support. We fighting. Dang. I know that's right. Okay. So you're going to drag your And then I'm going back. 
I'm going back home to my baby and I'm going to be like, yo, did you hear what happened to your dad? It's tragic. But I started it. I'm saying. Jesus. You know what's oh, so crazy God. about this, man? A lot of these women want their boyfriends to beat up their babies. It sounds like yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, my God. Chris just texted me. What did he say? Uh, hey, good morning, babe. <laughs> Good morning. That's what he said. We ain't here yet. Hey, yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Hey, I'm Katrina. Peace. What's happening? What's happening? Your baby daddy (laughs) and your boyfriend get into a fight. Who you helping? I'm helping my baby daddy. It's all about the kids. Yeah. That that boyfriend can leave any time. I got to deal with my baby daddy for the rest of my life. (laughs) Okay. And we jumping at anything. Do you like your boy? You want him? Do you, you like your boyfriend? Yeah. <laughs> Yo. It's always a baby daddy for me. That's why I got to deal with it. I that's know that's I got, right. I, I know that's right. Okay. Thank I you, Mama. You. Carmen. Good morning. Hey, Carmen. How you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Now, your baby daddy and, and your boyfriend get into a fight. Who you helping? <laughs> I got to I gotta fight both of them. Oh, so you're going you to you punch both of them? Yes, for sure. I'm going to help my baby daddy because, you know, we got kids. You know what I'm saying? But then I'm going to help my man because that's my man. That don't even make if no damn sense. If you're thinking on everybody and figure out the details later, you know what I'm saying? So you just hitting both of them? At this point, because why y'all even got me in this situation? Anyway. <laughs> why y'all even fighting? Right, why y'all fighting? <laughs> but let me make these tough decisions. Right. <laughs> that is hilarious. Hello, who's this? Hey, what's up? This Crystal. Hey, Crystal. Good morning. Good morning. You know, we're, we're having an intellectually com- intellectual conversation about baby daddy and boyfriends. Which one you helping if they fight? Okay, so I'm going to be honest. I It got to be, it's two things. It's how long I've been with this, my boyfriend, and who started. Now, me personally, I got a petty baby daddy. I got petty baby daddy. Mm-hmm. And me, my, my guy, I've been with him for three and a half years. So... He's not on no drama stuff, no messy stuff. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to just assume my baby daddy started it. So I'm going to side with my n- because I, we don't we do not do that drama. With his baby mama, my baby daddy, we don't do that. So mm-hmm. I just off script don't know it's my baby daddy. So I'm, I'm side with my n- all the way. All okay. that. All that. <laughs> all right. Thank uh-huh. you, mama. It feels like the baby daddy is more permanent in your life than a boyfriend, though. Because you don't know unless mm-hmm. that boyfriend... Proposes becomes your fiance mm-hmm. becomes mm-hmm. your husband. It feel like the baby daddy is who you should really be. But like she said, it right. depends how long it's they've been always together. Dependables, yeah. Like it just depends. Mm-hmm. Like it, that. The only reason I'm helping Rome is because I cannot see him get beat up. Not because because of the kids. Because yeah. Ash gonna be like, Dad, you knew you couldn't fight. Like you know what I'm saying. So it's not. It's not that's <laughs> not a big deal. Doing that, but man. but but seriously, you gonna make Rome slap something tomorrow? Not, like Rome gonna be, he gonna be y'all gonna go out. He just gonna slap somebody just just because you say he can't fight. And you will get messed up. Damn that's it, the thing. Cause Rome problems in Baltimore all day. Yeah, Shorty <laughs> say you can't fight. <laughs> yeah, all right, that's not. I heard Shorty on Breakfast Club. <laughs> she said you can't <laughs> fight. We do not talk like that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Jasmine. Yes. Your baby daddy and your boyfriend fighting. Who you helping? I would watch everything and report it. Oh, so you're going to sit back and world star it. Boom. Yep. World star all day. Watch it, scream, yell, eat some popcorn at the same time. Who would you want to win? Honestly, my boyfriend. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> baby daddy got no love this I morning. know, that's right. Baby daddy needs it, girl. Thank I you, know Jess. that's right. What's the moral of the story? If there's a moral, the moral of the story, Jess, don't jump in. Don't jump in. The moral of the story is they shouldn't be fighting. That that they shouldn't be fighting. And I if agree. they do, do not jump in. Call the police. 
Call the police. You yes. don't call the police. Now they want to both get locked up. Yeah. <laughs> One might have a warrant. Now, now they get alert. Now they get arrested. Damn it, Jess. <laughs> you're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. Just don't fight. I but agree. I don't think the woman should jump in. Don't help. <laughs> Even if your baby father can't fight, don't <laughs> don't jump in. Why please. you keep saying that, man? You, <laughs> no, because you I know some people can relate. I beat Roma up before. Yes, and in the younger days. But he didn't hit you back. I'm sure. Yes, he did. Oh, y'all was going at it. Yeah. Man, Rome used to get down with the get down. I told you he was cheating on me before he met me. So yeah, that just that just explains. Man, that is crazy. If you're the, trying to fight back and you getting beat up by yes, your baby mama, like real bad. Like Rome, you can't pick me up. No. <laughs> like, what, are we, what are we doing? That ain't funny, but it's funny, what man. Are we doing here? Lord oh, have man. mercy. It's like when we have my pickers, we I'm gonna interview him. We gonna interview him together. Let's go. And we're gonna see. Rome, like, my guy, man. You ain't telling the truth. He'll tell you the truth. Yeah, she beat me up a couple times, but a couple times. Like, it's because I let her. Now, get put, put me in the headlock one time. Maybe tap out. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and she's small, mm -hmm. real little. She ain't that little now. She ain't that little. She was big enough to put me in the headlock. <laughs> All right. Don't try to make her no bigger than what she is. She is little. She, she is put you in the headlock. She ain't that little. Trying to make her big. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, she, no, she ain't that little. Yes, she is, mm -hmm. actually. All right, don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We have Lauren LaRosa, our guest host, and we got a special guest in the building, ladies Big and gentlemen. Big legend energy. <laughs> Kerry Washington. That's right. Welcome. Hi. Yes. Good, Good morning, morning. Miss Washington. New book out, Thicker Than Water. Congratulations. Thank you. Learned so much about you uh, with this book. First, it, it, maybe it's just me being stupid. I didn't know you were from the Bronx. Really? I did, I did not oh, know that. Yeah. I, the Bronx. I didn't know you were from the Bronx. Born yeah. and raised in born the Bronx. And, born and raised. You know what I say? I say the craziest people in America come from the Bronx and all of Florida. Why? What? Why? Have you seen the news? <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree on Florida. <laughs> But why the Bronx? And the I think the Bronx some of the most things? talented people that is true in the too. world come from the Bronx. That is very true, yeah. too. Now, how did you know now is the time to write Thicken and Water? So what I write about in the book is that a handful of, like five years ago, my parents sat me down and um, shared with me some new information about myself mm -hmm. that really kind of challenged the way that I thought about myself, that I thought about my family, turned my world upside down. And at the time, I had actually sold another book idea, which was based kind of inspired by the show that I was on Scandal and it was mm -hmm. like these are the 10 things that I learned from Olivia Pope but every time I sat down to write that book all I could think about was this new information I'd been given and how it impacted my family and my sense of self and so I wasn't going to write a book at all I tried to give the publisher their money back but they wouldn't take it Wow. Um, wow. and then a few years later I was like I think I have to at least try to write this book because you said your parents didn't want you to reveal that information. Yeah, yeah. So my, you... my, my parents told me that they were sort of forced to tell me that my dad is not my biological father. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did that affect you? Because, I mean, he's still your dad at the end of the day. We've he seen the pictures. We've seen you, you know, the him dad dancing. Jokes and on the dad jokes Instagram. Yeah. yeah. So, so how did that affect anything after you were told? So I think immediately when they told me, it was weird. I, to be totally honest with you, I felt, like, excited. I felt excited and grateful because mm -hmm. I had always felt like there was something going on in my family that I couldn't put my finger on, but it was like a dynamic of distance or like there was, I just knew that I didn't know what I didn't know, but I knew that, that there was something between my parents and I. And because I didn't know what it was, a lot of times I blamed myself for that or maybe thought I was crazy for thinking it. Maybe thought maybe I'm just not open enough. Like I, I, I was always trying to figure it out. So when they told me, it felt like... I don't know, it felt like I could breathe. It felt like, oh, this is this is a real opportunity for me to jump into this new kind of understanding of mm -hmm. myself and 
my life and you know it was it was really exciting when you would ask questions about like just different things like hey uh, you go to the doctors and they say you know what illnesses are on your mom's side mm-hmm. your dad's side when you would ask your dad your mom those questions how would they answer it as if my dad was my father mm-hmm. wow. they were gonna take this to their grave and I, I get it I totally understand right like they're protecting you yeah they, I think they they felt like well first of all let me just say this my parents are renegades right like a lot of us now we know people who go to sperm donor sperm banks right it's like very common mm-hmm. relatively now and you get a whole catalog you can pick the color of the eyes mm-hmm. and right. what Ivy League university they went to but when my parents did this in the mid 70s nobody was doing this mm-hmm. this was highly experimental highly secretive it was a big risk they were taking it wasn't like they had complete health screenings for the donor they had no idea who the donor was mm. they said we asked two things let him be healthy who knows what that means at the time right but like we want him to be healthy and we want him to be black because they wanted this to be a secret so yeah you know you talk about uh, your eating disorder and dealing with how you felt about your body and your looks yeah Uh, i wanted to know what got you in that point and the reason i ask is i have four daughters Charlemagne has four daughters uh, and I always want to make sure I try my hardest to give my daughter as many compliments as possible, right? Because yeah. you never want them to feel that way. But sometimes I don't think that matters because it's also how they look at themselves. Yeah. So what got you to that point where you didn't like what you seen in the mirror or something that yeah. you weren't happy about? It's such a good question. I have daughters too, right? So it's something that I think about a lot. I I think that the food it's like any other kind of addictive behavior it's not about the drug it's not really about the food or even really about the relationship with body it came up from a compulsion of trying to escape the feelings i was having mm-hmm. or numb them and so i think for me it was this sense that i write about in the book of feeling like i had to be perfect um like i had to be better than who I was in order to be deserving of love. And some of that came from like, why, why, why do I have this weird dynamic with my parents? Like, what's going on? Maybe if I was better, prettier, smarter, um, thinner, then, then I might be more lovable. So I don't even, you know, I mean, I do think like we, it's important to teach our kids to make healthy choices when it comes to exercise, to make healthy choices when it comes to food, to teach them about nutrition, about how food works in the body. All that's important. But I think helping a kid to feel unconditionally loved, Mm -hmm. to feel safe, those are the things that I think help us have the tools to live in life on life's terms as opposed to grabbing at addictive behaviors to escape life. Now, I'm, I'm jumping all around because I want people to read the book Thinking in Water, but you talked about, uh, you know, always striving for perfection. Yeah. But you said Jamie Foxx taught you a very valuable lesson yeah can you explain what that was yeah I think Jamie I mean I, I've been really lucky I've been lucky enough to work with Jamie twice on Ray and Django Unchained um, classics but, by the way Move yeah on. truly um, he's he's the best um, and Jamie's taught me a lot about a lot of things but one of the things is in my work as an actor to you have to let go of that perfection idea because we were doing a scene together in Ray. It was the scene where I find, speaking of drugs, where I find all his heroin works um, the first time as his wife. And, you know, we had done it in the morning. We had hit it out of the park. And I was like, oh, we are on fire. This is incredible. And then as the day went on, I kept trying to do it exactly the way we had done it earlier that morning so that it would be in that perfect place that mm-hmm. felt so good. And right. that's the beginning of death as an actor. Like, you, you can't try to recreate magic you have to keep cultivating new magic right Mm -hmm. like you have to truly be in the moment 
And Jamie really helped me to realize that. I was frustrated in the scene and he was like, you got to you got to keep digging. You got to let go of this morning. And that was a really powerful lesson. For Why me. was it easier to find that in acting as opposed to real life? Well, I guess I hadn't learned how to apply that to the rest of my world. You know, there right. was like it was in a vacuum it was an isolated kind of moment. But it's a good question. I mean, that is the lesson, though, right? Mm -hmm. Is that like the answer is never about perfection. It's always about like what's the best possible version of my life in this moment, mm -hmm. of me in this moment. Now, you did say something. I heard you say that uh, parents do the best that they can. Mm -hmm. And then it's up to us to parent ourselves after that. Mm -hmm. Explain that. Well, I think like one of the things that I've truly come to terms with in writing this book is that my every choice my parents made was out of love. They weren't trying to be cruel. They weren't trying to hurt me. They really thought that this was the best choice. And by the way, doctors back then said it like artificial insemination was so new. They would say, you do this thing and then you go home and have sex and then you have plausible deniability. And nobody knew 40 years ago there would be these home tests, 23 and ancestry. Mm -hmm. you, you had no idea. So they were like, go home and have sex. Then the kid's yours. End of story. Nothing to talk Jesus. about. Wow. Right. Mm -hmm. And so. I think my parents didn't want me to feel different. They didn't want me to feel weird. They didn't want me, ironically, they didn't want me to feel distance from them, even though that's what wound up happening. So I know that they made loving choices or choices out of love, even if they didn't feel loving to me. Um, but I think we have to, for me and my journey, it's been like, it's been good to understand who they were, to have compassion for their choices. But I can't blame them for where I am now. Like now that I have awareness, I have to say like, okay, they gave me everything they could with as much love as they could. How do I now close the gap between what they gave me and what I need? That's my responsibility as an adult. If I just sit here and continue to complain about what they didn't give me, then I'm keeping myself a child. Mm. All right, we got more with Kerry Washington. When we come back, don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Charlamagne the guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Our special guest co-host Lauren LaRosa is here. And we're still kicking it with Kerry Washington. Lauren. What's that conversation like with your kids? Like once yeah. you decided to take this world to your kids and even deciding to write the book and now you're, you know, because your kids, I'm sure they're friends and everybody knows who you are. So yeah. how do you have that conversation with them and kind of how are they responding to things? You know, it's funny. Like I was saying before, this is so common now. Like it's not news to my kids. They right. were they were so unimpressed. <laughs> like, you know, they're in their classes. They have kids with two dads and two moms. So they have friends from sperm donors, friends from egg donors, friends who are adopted, friends who were born from surrogates. Like, they, they also, like, we're a blended family, right? They're big sister. You know, when, it, when you would look at the three of them, their big sister has four parents. Like, having me having another parental figure in my story is not weird to them. For my parents, they came from a world where what makes a family was very different. But right. the ideas of what makes a family now is much more open. So, you know, they, they know... Obviously, the conversation I have with my 17-year-old is very different than the conversation I have with my six-year-old. Right. But I want to be a home where we're open and honest and where they feel like they can ask anything. Mm -hmm. What about when you decided to... Because I know in this book, you talk about the abortion that you had at 20. Yeah. That is something that is like in so... In my 20s. I don't in know your 20s. I, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's around Save the Last Dance time, right? Yeah. So you are, you know, highly successful at this time. 
When you, I know, but it's in a chapter that I call Black Famous because I was like, I mean, you know how we are. Yeah. Like, white people didn't necessarily know that the girl from Save the Last Dance was the same girl from Ray, was the same girl from Last King of Scotland. Right. So we knew. I, you know, but so yes, I was, uh, my star was on the rise, but it wasn't, I wasn't like, I could still go to the grocery store and it was all good. I, I want, I love your self awareness. Did you realize you were black famous when you were black famous? Yeah. Or was that in hindsight? <laughs> no, in the moment. Because okay. I knew. You know, it was like I knew I could walk down the street on 57th and Madison and be fine. Mm -hmm. But if I was in the Bronx, it was like, oh, my God, (laughs) Chanel. Or like at the time I was a I was a substitute teacher in New York City public schools. That was one of my many side hustles when I was trying to make a living as an actor. And it was funny because I would get hired into the school and the principals who were white, you know, the principals, vice principals, they would be like, so nice to meet you. Great. They bring Mm -hmm. me to the classroom. They had no idea who I was. But then I would be asked to leave a school because by the second day, all the kids were cutting class to see Chanel from Save the Last Dance Mm -hmm. because they knew who I was because I was substitute teaching in Harlem. So it was like that dynamic. I understood that certain people knew who I was and other people didn't. What's more fulfilling, being black famous or white famous? I think you have to have both. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things that that Chris Rock taught me. Mm -hmm. Like you just you can never, ever forget your core original first audience you cannot because that that other audience will come and go there'll be ebbs and flows but black people will hold you up throughout if you if you stay with us we stay with you i feel like that's what made scandal such a hit absolutely Mm -hmm. i mean we were part of the birth of black twitter Mm -hmm. um at the time so i one of my best friends from high school she's a brilliant social media person allison peters she actually convinced me to go on Twitter and I was like, what, why, I don't know. And she was like, she had come out of Viacom and was like, it's really important, you need to do this. And she and I kind of talked Shonda Rhimes into talking the cast into being on Twitter. And we were one of the first shows to do live tweeting and to really have event television at a time where people were no longer watching shows in real time unless it was like a basketball game. Mm -hmm. And so that conversation around the show was our grassroots movement like we had black twitter on fire people like oprah eventually were like i only started watching scandal because it's the only thing people talked about on thursday nights on twitter Mm -hmm. so yes in that first season it was absolutely because black audiences you know how culture follows us so black audiences made it that you had to be there to tune in and suddenly it trickled out into the rest of the world how often do people come up to you to figure all the time and to be honest because the show was inspired by a real woman judy smith who's a real dc fixer who never slept with the president but was a real fixer and i have her on speed dial so people also will come to me to get to her wow um because they know she is truly able to fix stuff have you, have you needed her I haven't needed her, but I've okay. sent other people to her. Gotcha. Yes. I, but I've talked to her. I mean, like, not not on like a I'm in jail, it's 2 a.m., help me out. But like, you know, if there's a rollout of a movie and I'm like, I don't know, this director is a little bit of a problem. What do you think? You know, I've done, I've had those kind of conversations with her. Yeah. But people do. You know, it's funny. Like, it'll happen in political moments. Like, a lot of my political work now is inspired by the fact that in 2016, the morning after the election, when that awful rapist racist person was elected that when i woke up all over social media people were like you have to save us what are you gonna do please olivia pope and it was funny for a minute and then i was like we have a real problem in our culture because we 
we don't realize that Olivia Pope is an imaginary character on mm -hmm. a television show and that every single person who wrote one of those tweets, they have more power than Olivia Pope because she can't vote. Mm -hmm. She can't register voters. She can't volunteer. She can't knock on doors. But it's like we've given our power over to imaginary people because we have this hero worship, right? right. So we're not stepping into our power because we're looking for somebody else to solve our problems for us. So a lot of the work that I've been doing has been trying to figure out how to turn the spotlight that's on me onto those grassroots organizations mm -hmm. and people who are really doing the work. So when people saw you with uh, the vice president the other day, yeah, they probably was the they same. They went crazy. Thing. Yeah, she's yeah. back. She's back. She's, she's at back. the White House. <laughs> yeah. I, w I want to ask one more question about uh, your your father. How, how did finding out your father wasn't your biological father change your views on parenthood? Oh man. Well, one thing I say in the book is and it's what I feel, is that in our community, where people have historically had such difficult relationships, right, where there's this history of dads maybe not being present. You know, in the neighborhood that I grew up in, I grew up in one of the few households where the dad was around and, you know, my parents were still married. And the fact, looking back, that, that my dad really did choose me, that he mm -hmm. was there, he's been there for me the whole time, that he's been this you know, parental force in my life, that he's my dad, that he chose me, that I belong to him and he belongs to me. It almost meant more than it ever did before. Mm. Um, and I feel really grateful, mm -hmm. you know. Now you, con level. you contemplated suicide at one point. Yeah. Well, I what, mean, what, what got you there, first of all? And then how did you get through it? Because I'm sure there's, there's people listening now that might be in that same zone and trying to work themselves through it every day. So what got you to that point where you felt that way? And then how did you get over that obstacle? When you say there might be people listening who feel that way, it's like my heart breaks because I just know how hard it is to feel that alone and that hopeless. So if anybody's listening and is feeling that way, the one thing I would say is to ask for help, mm -hmm. you know, is to really ask for help because you are, you feel alone, but I guarantee you, you are not alone. That's right. Um, and for me, that was the big thing was, I mean, number one, it was the first time that I truly got on my knees and talked to God mm -hmm. and was like, I need help. <laughs> like, I don't, I, cause I felt like I really don't have any tools. I don't I don't know what to do. So it was the first time that I think I humbled myself enough to feel like there's got to be something bigger than me that points me in the direction of healing. And I started reaching out. I went to therapy for the first time, group therapy, one-on-one. -on -one. Like I just really started committing to trying to walk this road of healing. I swear by it. I swear by therapy. Yeah. All right, we got more with Kerry Washington. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Our special guest co-host, Laura LaRosa, is here. And we're still kicking it with Kerry Washington. Charlemagne? You talk about traveling in the Black Famous chapter. You talk about going to Africa, yeah, to become African. How, yeah. how, how did that trip change you? Um, so I was filming Last King of Scotland. That was my first time on the continent, and it was great because I do feel like sometimes as Black people in America, we go to Africa with all these like, "Do I belong here? Do I feel at home? Like, what is my relationship here?" And I just had to put all of that aside because my focus was on just kind of dropping in and becoming a Ugandan woman, and I I really did feel at home there. Mm -hmm. I did. I felt so lucky to be able to be so immersed in the culture that I wasn't there like, you know, as a tourist. And I took a when I was there, I don't know if you've heard about this experience. I, I It's not in the book, but we were hiking in the Ruanzori Mountains, which are the mountains that border Rwanda and Uganda. And it's where the only wild gorillas live. 
Um, and you can go out with a gorilla trekker and find the gorillas in the jungle and spend time with them. You go with like a tour guide and these trekkers and these guys with AK-47s just in case. Now and, you see why um, Charlamagne said the craziest people are from the Bronx? <laughs> <laughs> I was just right. thinking like you, you really be walking to the world. People gorillas. travel from all over the world to have this experience because it is one of the most intense spiritual experiences I've ever had. The second one is the my experience with the whales that I write about at the end mm-hmm. of the book. Mm-hmm. But it was like... To be in the jungle, to be with these creatures, and you realize we really do share like 97, 98% of our DNA with these animals. And they are, you start to think like, oh, they're so human, but no, like we are so gorilla. And the craziest thing that happened was when they give you this uh, orientation in the morning, they're like, if a gorilla gets close to you and is looking at you, the most important thing to do is not run. You have to, to feel safe, act like a gorilla. So I was like, wait a second. I couldn't second. do that around the white people. Wait, wait a second. I'm telling you that right now. I was going to say, I didn't hear it through that lens. Because mm-hmm. for me, I was like a young actor who had done animal exercises at school. Like, mm-hmm. this was my opportunity for, this was my Meryl Street moment. Oh, wow. Funny. So when the gorilla came <laughs> down the from the tree, I was like, I squat down. I mean, everybody in my group was like, what is she? When I tell you <laughs> that is the best performance of my life, I was, I was the gorilla. The gorilla was me. I started, I picked off a leaf started chewing on it and we had the most incredible experience because this gorilla gorilla kept getting closer and closer to us and this little baby gorilla she was so curious she was like what we've never seen a human like this no she was like that one's one of us but with clothes so what did the gorilla do (laughs) they just they got closer the trekker said than they'd ever had a gorilla get to a group before I mean the guy with the AK-47 came right next to me because they were terrified but I was like don't stop don't stop what yeah, it was incredible. Were you the only person acting like a gorilla? Yeah. How do you know they didn't tell, tell you that just to be funny? Because the experience that we got out of it. I mean, they said it to everybody in the group, but I was the best actor in the group. Got you, got yes. you, got you, got you. Wow. Okay. Yeah. When all of this is done, like mm-hmm. everybody gets the book, they get to read it. Everybody should get the book. Get Absolutely. The book. They will. I read the audio book. It's me and my own words, so that's fun. What is the, like, the, the, the hug or the message that you want people to get from this book? I I think, and this is something that I've written in the book, but there's a saying I heard a long time ago that I really love that we are as sick as our secrets. That's right. And that when, I think when we can let go of the things that keep our true selves hidden, we can let go of our shame. You know, I knew when my parents told me, I realized that they had been living under this lie for so long that every time I had said, I love you to my dad, whether it was conscious or unconscious, there must have been a part of him that thought, she loves me because she thinks I am her father. Wow. Wow. And there must have been a part of him that thought, if she knew I wasn't her father, maybe she won't love me. Mm. That's part of why they didn't tell me. And so I had the opportunity, once they gave me that truth, to actually, for the first time, love my father unconditionally. Mm. And that's what we all deserve. That's what we all want. Mm-hmm. We want to we know that no matter what we do or how we act or what we've done in the past, that we're lovable mm-hmm. and that we're loved. And I feel like my family's in that place now. But you only get there when you expose your truth. When you're vulnerable enough to show people who you are and they love you anyway, then you know that you are worthy of unconditional love. But I think your father proved that, you know, just because somebody provides sperm doesn't make them a father. Yeah, right. that's right. He's an actual yeah, father. Like, I he's think there's a big truly, lesson to be learned. That's there. right. 
That's right. And it's even like people will say like, well, do you know who your biological father is? And I'm still wrapping my head honestly around that language. Like, Do you want to know who the donor is? I was literally about to ask I you that. I do. I'm really? searching. I'm looking. Mm-hmm. And again, not because I need a daddy, right? Like I'm not looking for an emotional connection. I'm really open. I mean, I say that now. Who knows? When, once I, you never know. Like he <laughs> could walk in the room and I could be like, ah. Um, but I think I'm just really curious about that 50% of me, that genetic 50% of me. Mm-hmm. I think... There is a question. I know what I've gotten from my dad. I know from my dad I've gotten my sense of humor, my imagination, my belief in the impossible, my um, ability to tell a story. I know what I've gotten from my mom, my my intellect, my um, intellectual curiosity, my grace, my compassion. I don't know what I've gotten from the donor. I'm curious mm-hmm. what part comes from him. And I'm curious just in terms of my medical history. I feel like I owe that to my kids that mm-hmm. they should know where they come from. But the emotional part of it, I'm open to let it be what it's going to be. Maybe it'll feel like I have additional family. Maybe it'll just feel like I have additional information. T- I feel good either way. Listen, can we end with something you said in the epilogue? And I feel like it can relate to so many people. You say, my life is not about my donor nor about my parents. My life is my own. Hmm. What does that mean to you and what could that mean to others? Yeah. So when my parents told me this information, I realized because they had built this narrative, this false narrative about where I came from, I realized that in many ways, I had been the supporting character in their story, right? Like they were living this life. They were Earl and Valerie, parents of this beautiful child, successful middle-class black family. Like I was the supporting character in that fable. And when they gave me the truth, I felt like Part of why I wanted to write the book was that it was time for me to step into being the lead character in the story of my life, Mm -hmm. to not let my life belong to them, Mm -hmm. to say, like, I deserve to be on this journey, this quest, because I have my own story. Like, I get it. You had four decades of living this your way, but it's my turn to kind of take this narrative and figure out what my life means for me. So I love my parents. I I do love being a supporting character in their life, but that has to be a choice. I have to know that fundamentally my life is my own and that they, because I have the most incredible parents, they now have the opportunity and have allowed themselves to be supporting characters in my story. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what I've learned about parenting has been about that choice on their part mm-hmm. because they have allowed themselves to be supporting characters for me in this moment which is humbling for all of us, but them in particular, right? And as I look forward at my kids, I realize this is my moment. Like this Mm -hmm. book, I am the protagonist of this book, but I'm also the supporting character in the story of my kids. And I want them to know that I have their back and that they have to live their own life. They shouldn't be living in the ways that make me comfortable. They shouldn't be making choices that are for my own good. They have to make the right choices for them in the way that I'm making the right choices for me now. Well, we appreciate you for joining us this morning. Thicker Than Water is out right now. Yes. Well, come see us on tour. We're going to be in Chicago, D.C., um, Atlanta, L.A. I'm going to be in conversation with Gabrielle Union, Tyler Perry, Bellamy Young, Tony Goldwyn. It's an incredible lineup. So come see us out on the road. Get her out of here. She's holding in a cough. That's right. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Are you someone who knows you don't have to sacrifice comfort for quality? Someone who lives large in life and in the bedroom. 
then live large. And now thinner with new Magnum Raw Condoms. The thinnest Magnum condom available where condoms are sold. Make sure you tell them to watch out for Florida, man. Florida, man. The craziest people in America come from the Bronx and all of Florida. Yes, you are a donkey. A Florida man attacked an ATM for a very strange reason. It gave him too much money. Florida man is arrested after deputies say he rigged the door to his home in an attempt to electrocute his pregnant wife. Police arrested an Orlando man for attacking a flamingo. It's a breakfast club, bitch. Mm. Donkey of the day mm. with Charlemagne the God. I don't know why y'all keep letting him get y'all like this. Well, do all this your own people, okay? Donkey of the day goes to Renee Don Scoglon. I know I pronounced her last name wrong, wrong. okay? But Renee is from Florida, ladies and gentlemen. And what does your Uncle Charlotte always say about the great state of Florida? The craziest people in America come from the Bronx and all of Florida. And today is no exception, okay? Renee is 30 years old. And she will spend two years under community control, which is a form of house arrest, eight years on probation, and will have to pay a fine of more than 17 grand. And personally, I don't think that is enough. In fact, I think she should get actual prison time. Why, Uncle Charlotte? Why are you wishing prison time on this woman? Well, let's Go to Fox 13, Tampa for the report, please. South Dakota resident Renee Scoglin is far from home and in legal hot water that even surprised the judge. This is really unbelievable. Scoglin's trail of lies started when she decided to come to Tampa Bay and cheat on her husband. Mm. That she felt guilty about this due to her marital status and she wanted to get checked for sexual transmitted diseases. But she wanted to get tested for free. So she decided to call 911. Colglen made up a story about having car trouble and pulling over on the side of the road. An unknown male approached her. Because her face was covered, she couldn't describe her attacker. When police checked her cell phone and found this Walmart surveillance video of Scoglin buying the rope herself. She confessed mm -hmm. to making the whole thing up. She was charged with making a false police report and decided to take a plea deal. She's not even from Florida. She's from South Dakota. Came to Florida and became a Florida fool because it's in the water. <laughs> All right? This woman made up a false rape report in Florida to get a free STD test. Let's just sit here for a second and take that in. Let me like my Palo Santo. Just think about that. Mm -hmm. Renee made up a false rape report in Florida to get a free STD test. Huh? Mm -hmm. Believe all women, huh? Define all. Okay, that's what we should have asked when that foolish-ass slogan became part of our lexicon. What do you mean by all? Because women like Renee can't possibly be under the umbrella of all, correct? I have so many questions. Why didn't she just go to the clinic? Okay, I did some research, and by research, I mean Google, and all I did was type in free STD testing in Florida. It's a whole website called SaferSTDTesting.com. It tells you all the clinics that are near you. It says right here, if you're looking for cheap STD testing clinics in the state of Florida to get an HIV, herpes, chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, or hepatitis screening for yourself or your partner, you can get tested today by selecting an option below to find an affordable STD test clinic near you. Same day STD testing locations also available with results in one to two days. Why didn't you just go to a free clinic? Now, Renee at the time was married and she lied about this sexual assault in an attempt to get a free STD test after she had a one night stand in Tampa. Mm -mm. So she cheated on her husband felt guilty about it so she decided to go get checked out for a std and instead of just going to a doctor or a clinic she decided to lie about being raped so she could get a free std test renee what was your plan b okay <laughs> if that was plan a what was plan b this couldn't have been the only plan not to mention you lied about a rape claim so you could get a free std test so clearly you hard on money but you had money to buy rope 
We looked it up. Uh, the hollow braid rope that she bought is $22. Okay, how much is an STD test in Florida? According to Google, the cost of an STD test will vary by location and test type. Some clinics, usually community or nonprofit clinics, offer free or low-cost testing. Labs, clinics, and at-home testing companies may accept insurance to cover or lower your cost of testing. And lab testing fees range from $8 to $150. You had money for an STD test, okay? I saw other sources say that an STD test in Florida is $55. The test covers syphilis and HIV, chlamydia, gonorrhea, herpes test, $45. All I'm saying is, if you had money for rope, you could have gotten some money for an STD test. Hell, you had money to travel from South Dakota to Tampa to creep in the first place, okay? <laughs> Renee, what about condoms? Which you, too, can get free from the clinic, all right? Two words for you, Renee. Planned Parenthood. They can help you get condoms and other birth control methods for free. Is that where inflation is taking us now? Where people can't even afford to cheat? Huh? <laughs> what happened to the good old days when, you know, you got an STD and blamed it on your significant other? <laughs> we used to be a country. We are getting away from traditional values, not to mention you nasty, Renee. Not only are you a despicable human who would lie about being raped, you slept with your little side piece unprotected. Bear back, shimmy, shimmy, ya, shimmy, yeah, shimmy, yay. You fought bare knuckle in the club and thought you lost. That's why you went to go get an STD test, okay? Lock this woman up, all right? Put her under the jail. There's too many women out here who are real victims who actually are dealing with the real trauma of being sexually assaulted, and you out here lying simply because you cheated on your husband and did the raw dog roulette with another man? Huh? Please give Renee Don Scoglon the biggest he haw. What a world we live in, man. Mm -mm -mm -mm. It's wild. You want to play a game? I do. All right, let's play a game of Guess What Ratios! All right. Renee Don Scoglon from South Dakota traveled all the way to Tampa, Florida, so she could do the raw dog roulette with a side piece. Thought she caught an STD, so she lied about being raped, so she could get a free STD test. Mona, guess what race she is! She is a Caucasian from the Caucasus Mountains. One of Yakub's finest creations, Mona says. <laughs> Jesus. Mm. Okay. A DJ in White. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't call me white girl. And DJ Envy. Yes, sir. You are both correct. Renee is Caucasian. <laughs> she got made by Yakub on her ass cheeks. Jesus. <laughs> right? What did I win? Nothing. Nothing. Oh. You didn't win nothing. It's the Breakfast Club. <laughs> Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. 
It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts morning everybody it's dj nv charlemagne the guy we are the breakfast club lauren larose is our special guest and we have omar epps here but also Ebony K. Williams will be joining us next hour. And we talked about uh, some statements that she said. And Lauren LaRosa was talking about it. a lot of people were very passionate. So she's here to discuss. So if you want to talk to Ebony K. Williams, she's going to be joining us. You could get on the phone lines right now. 800-585-1051. But right now, let's get back into our conversation with Omar Epps. All right, Charlamagne? You know, I love what you just said about uh, the, the movies. Because I think about it even with a series like this. Because I, I saw you said you wish this book existed when you was a child. Yeah. 
I don't know when the series is going to end, but endings are very important. Because I yes. think a lot of times in this art, we talk about the problems, but we never talk about the solutions. And yes. there never seems to be a happy ending. Whether Great it's point. Minutes of Society, Boys in the Hood, whatever it was, Juice, there's really no happy ending. Well, I think maybe maybe because they're trying to teach a certain lesson, mm -hmm. a certain angle of the lesson, mm -hmm. you know, and then we, I, that's making me think about certain songs where, like, yeah, they, they're not showing the glamorous part. They're showing the other part. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. we used to seeing the rich and poles and all of them and all of that yeah. fly mm -hmm. stuff, but they're not showing you the heartache that comes along. And so I think things are necessary with Nubia. I do have the ending, but it also is an entryway into film, television. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. animation everything you could think of i have story points that we want to hit um so it's essentially i've created a my own universe mm -hmm. that hopefully one day can be akin to like marvel that's what pains me about the nubia series though because i love science fiction and i do feel like it needs to be a film a tv show i don't know if hollywood will ever make a real investment into sci-fi led by black people I'm not waiting on Hollywood. Okay. If, if, if I was waiting on Hollywood, the book would have never been written. Absolutely. So we gonna, we gonna do what we do, which is find a way, you know. You, hey, we made a delicacy out of the scraps, meaning mm -hmm. they yeah. threw us pig intestines and we made chili. Yeah, yeah. And, she loves and, we, and we she made them so good. I'm they was like, like, hey, like I love can chili. you make me a plate? <laughs> this is what we do. So hopefully it is in my lifetime. I mean, this is what I'm doing it for. But, you know, th there's... When I say there's more of us, I'm not talking about a color. I mean like-minded. Mm -hmm. There are more like-minded people than what we see portrayed in the news and in blogs and stuff like that. So when people put their money where their mouth is mm -hmm. and really support one another, then it, it enables us to go to those next levels to where we don't have to be fully dependent on other systems. Absolutely. Now, the yeah. three main characters of the book, I don't want to say their names wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but Uzochi, Lencho, and Zuberi. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So they are of this first generation to discover these powers. Yes. When I read about that part of it, it made me think about like just being first generation, coming from certain like, you know, like I'm first generation college student or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you realize that you really can be put in a dark room and find the light. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. What is the message in this book to the first generation of anything like the, the the students the kids the you know I'm first generation to go to college I'm first generation to buy a house what first message generation millionaires yeah like I'm, what do they take away from this from this book I mean there's there's a lot of things that they take the, I think the the one of the main themes for me is the idea of unity you know cats are spend twenty five hundred dollars on a belt because it has a certain name on it mm -hmm. but if envy shirt kings or like fubu in them back mm -hmm. in the day supreme in them back in the day they say, yo, the belt was $500. We like, from you, Too much nah. for your brand. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go spend triple over there. Same quality. Mm -hmm. Right. Same. And then you you elevate and you be like, oh, they make all of these bags and stuff in the same factories. Mm -hmm. Same material, same everything. But because we're blinded by a name, which comes with a perception, mm -hmm. we don't know how to, how to stand for hours. Like, no, we have the spending dollars, so we're going to spend here where it really matters. And let... As Killer Mike Salute always talks about keeping the dollar circulating amongst us mm -hmm. first before it goes out, right? So the theme of unity on on every level. And the other thing I really want the young reader to take away is all the answers are already inside of you. That's right. I think we're born into this world in perfect harmony and in perfect balance. Like if we look at the creation, the world as we know it, everything that's alive 
is like an instrument and it's this magnificent symphony mm-hmm. and everything plays a part from an ant to an elephant to a, a tree. Everything plays a part. The only thing that seems to be playing out of tune is human beings. Mm. We're the ones playing out of tune, playing the wrong notes. So I say that to say that the answers are already inside, right? They already are permeating through you physiologically and spiritually. Part of the conundrum of life is to then you sort of unlearn what is innately in you, product of environment, schooling, all of these things. And then you spend your latter life unlearning that right. mm-hmm. to get back to the source. So I imagine a world where right now college is a four year process. What if one day college is a, a year process? What could that person do with that other three years in terms of being productive? Mm. And if you put a bunch of those type of people together, I mean, we still marveling over, I don't know, Twitter and Facebook. It's like... I ain't curing cancer though. That's right. You know what I mean? Oh, for real. What what, yeah. what happened? What what do we do in a world where like Tylenol, you can cancer, don't matter what kind. Oh, just go to the pharmacy, that's five dollars, ain't nothing. Right. Imagine how much more productive we could be as a species. Like the fact that we're in 2024 and people are still hung up on skin color. And again, I don't mean white, black, this is light skin, dark skin stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's some license stuff. You know, me and Marlon deal with that all the time. Oh, you on your, you, be, know, you call it beige. No, rage, but he, but he be he be in it here. Is. It is some license yeah. stuff. But it ain't his fault. It's, right. No, right. and every time it's it happens, it's what we were taught. Yeah. Every no, time no, it happens, we give, we give him not, grace. That's not we fair. give him that's grace. We give him grace. Charlemagne does the same thing, and I say his complexion, they attack me. But he called me beige rage, beige, beige, everything under the sun. <laughs> it's because of your and it's funny. matches that. But if I say black anything to him. Yeah, you can't do it. See, why? We, but I'm black. But uh, what? You are black. Exactly. So what's the problem? But this is what I'm talking about. The fact that even we're we we all Dominican. I'm not Dominican. Stop it. You better stop it. Is, you don't even claim Stop it. Claim. Stop it. Charlamagne, I got to stop you there. You look more Dominican than he does. Thank you. <laughs> you been to Washington Heights lately? <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. Now, <laughs> what Omar said is so true, and it's amazing to me that most things that are man-made take you out of alignment. Yep. And I don't understand that. I mean, it makes sense, though, yeah. right? It does make sense. Yeah. That's why when people get caught up in this AI, I'm like, it is, it, oh my it's, God. it's man-made, so mm-hmm. there's flaws in it. We just can't see it yet. Right. Yeah. Ain't nothing to trip over. You know what I mean? And it's about being in tune with with who we are and who we're here to be. And what is our purpose? And our purpose is to spread love and spread positive energy. And you get to a point where we all are. We still have ambition. We still have drive, but we pushing. It's a hell of a thing to be pushing for yourself and then push for others. Mm -hmm. When you're pushing for others, now you're really serving your purpose. And it's a really it's a it's a fulfillment that no dollar amount could fill when just passing off the information or the knowledge to someone and then go and see them walk, run, and then fly. It's just a feeling that, to me, this is what life is about. One of the grand themes Mm -hmm. that life is about. The older I get, the less I want. Here you go. Mm -hmm. You know, because the things that I actually want Money can't buy. They're not superficial there in you any go. way, shape, or form. There you go. All right, we got more with Omar Epps. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Good morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Charlemagne the God. We are The Breakfast Club. We have Lauren LaRosa here, our special guest host. Still kicking it with Omar Epps. But you having three kids. Would you want your three kids to be in the industry, acting or music? Would you want them seeing what you've seen? Because you've seen behind the scenes you pull the curtain back so would you want them to to do that i mean i'm human so 
I think whatever whatever it is, I don't care if you a race car driver, mechanic, bus driver. Like we all want our kids to do something other than what be we great. Did. You know what I mean? Be great at that thing. But underneath it all, I just want them to follow their passion. You know, whatever brings them joy. If it's uh, you know our youngest daughter, she's a singer songwriter. That's her gift. But she's putting in the work for it, and that's the main thing. You know, nothing's gonna come to you easy, but. If you're putting in the work for it and that's your passion, I'm, I'm behind it. See, it's, it's good It's good in, in situations like that because mom and dad have been there. So so you can guide where maybe you, you didn't have that guidance because maybe your mom didn't know how to look at contracts and look know what to look for. You know what I mean? So right. it's good that you're there. But it's just, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing because you're like, damn, the stress that I went through dealing with this industry. Yeah, but you know what? What you're saying is right in essence, but realistically, it's a totally different world. Because mm-hmm. there's... there's a completely different universe from selling a physical record to a stream and the business in between that. Correct. It's a whole different world. So it was like, yeah, your moms did that, but uh, not like this. <laughs> Is she momager? Huh? Like, are you guys like managing? Oh, momager. Like, yeah, like it. Or you you guys, act like mom's not right here. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he mentioned. He mentioned. She's, so. she's a heavy-handed advisor. That's what I wouldn't, what I wouldn't <laughs> say. Okay. Momager. Okay. Heavy, heavy-handed okay. advisor. Okay. Heavy okay. advisor. <laughs> All right. Heard you. Yeah. What's, what's your favorite method of storytelling? Is it TV? Is it films? Or is it books? It depends on the story. Mm-hmm. You know, like like when I was thinking of Nubia, I saw film, I saw television, I saw all these things, but I knew that's not the delivery system right now. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have to crawl through this process. Crawl and meaning a good thing. Like, there's just so much story. This the, the depth of the story can only be done in book form, in its initial phase. Once that's established to an audience and they're familiar with, oh yeah, that's the blah, 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 then we can take it other places. And mm-hmm. so we're still in, this is phase one, if you will. Mm-hmm. But other other than that, I just love art, man. It doesn't matter. Like I said earlier, like I think there's an art to, to cooking. There's an art to everything. There's an art to business. Mm-hmm. You know, it just depends on, you know, what you connect to and what makes you happy. And, and for me, the prime goal is to, it is, it is like, I realize the weight of everything that I'm a part of is going to outlast me. Mm-hmm. So why am I really doing this? Who am I doing it with? It's not just a self-fulfilling thing anymore. You know what I mean? Like the the greatest compliments to this day, the greatest compliments that I receive was when people come up to me and say something that I was in, you know, helped them through or inspired mm-hmm. them to. I had a, 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 a young doctor come up to me and was talking about a show that I was on, a medical show I was on, mm-hmm. and they were just like the portrayal of that character helped them through a tough time while they were in med school ready to give up. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was like getting a, a million dollar check because mm-hmm. I'm like, this is exactly what I do it for. You know what I mean? Like to, to be able to pass on what was mm-hmm. passed on to me. I really did want to know how you wrap your mind around what's going on in 2098. I mean, it's to me, it's simple. I think humans are going to human. Mm-hmm. And then geographically, like, re- again, whatever happens in the next 20, 30 years, there's going to be a world after that. So that's creative license. Mm-hmm. Well, I see it kind of looking at if we, I mean, sadly, if we take a cue from what happened with Sandy, the lower part of the city would be underwater. Mm-hmm. And then, same same rules apply. Where, where's all the money at now? Uptown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Let's ramp that up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Humans have fused with technology. Let's, you know, you get to yeah. take creative license. But the more things change, the more they stay the same, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, like in the hood, everybody want to talk about new world order, order. No, it's one world order. That's the actual term. And that's been for thousands of years. There's always going to be a group of few that try to control the many. 
It ain't nothing new. There's no conspiracy. It's right there, dead in front of your face. It's just how you perceive it. You know what I mean? But there's something to perceive as well is that the victory's already won. And whether the listeners, whether you a believer or not, I'm not, in, you know, putting my beliefs on anyone. I'm a believer. And the victory's already won. The, the, the table of victory with the most beneficent is already set. So there's a part of us that we've gone through the motions. Choose your side, choose wisely, and live your life. And your character is determined by your actions, period. You know what I mean? So, you know, hopefully when it's my time, my actions will be met by the eternal glory. You play so many iconic roles. Does it ever bother you when somebody calls you one of the names from the iconic roles? Like, I'm sure you walk down the hall and it's like, Q! You know what I mean? Does that, does that, does that, does that no, no, I, you? I love it. That, that doesn't bother me at all. Gonna start doing no, it. no, no, that doesn't bother me at all. I'm what cool with that. What bothers you? When people call me like, yo, Makai, I'm like, <laughs> that's my mans and all that but I know we look alike they say we all but come on bro it could be worse <laughs> they even like they could say Charlemagne they like, like yo Mike I'm like Mike Mike Mike, Mike Epps that's correct oh, that's nuts. well I'm like come on yo like that's the, the I can see Makai but not they, Mike they, w- like where is this happening like you just all out over. and about it's just random you? like sometimes I wonder if people are just it's like if someone saw you and they're like oh I, I know and they, you got called Will I Am somebody yeah, like, I did get called Will I Am that was crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know, Charlamagne says he gets called Morris Chestnut, but nobody ever heard it. Morris Chestnut said that. You know what's Morris interesting? Morris Chestnut said somebody called him yeah, Charlamagne. He said on Jennifer Hudson, so he said he gets mistaken for me. That's, That's a goddamn lie. You do you see Why it? Why you mad at God? T- tell me. Do, do you see <laughs> it? I'm just going to resign this. God battles on the same side. Why are you upset about him? You saw the Dominican in him. Do you see it? Knock it off. Definitely. Y'all got to take him up to Washington Heights. I'm not. Oh, I gotta go now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did have gentlemen. a debate about who your favorite, who the best Omar Epps character was. I think your best role is Jay Reed in Too Deep. I think that's a very slept on role. That was, yeah, that was dope. How about I haven't done it yet? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's coming. Yeah. Well, there you have it. It's Omar Epps. We appreciate you for Love. joining us, brother. Yes. Books out right now. Nubia, The Reckoning. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Are you someone who knows you don't have to sacrifice comfort for quality? Someone who lives large in life and in the bedroom? Then live large. And now thinner with new Magnum Raw Condoms. The thinnest Magnum condom available where condoms are sold. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare got my prevnar 20 shot it's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine for us wise folks it helps protect i'm 19 strong and asthmatic and at higher risk get vaccinated but but nothing when grandma speaks grandson listens 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma diabetes or chronic heart disease or 65 plus you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia continued approval may depend on a supportive study don't get prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients adults with weakened immune systems 
may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello! Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.